Hi, my name is Stephen Harvey and I'm a paediatric specialist registrar working in Children's Health Ireland at Temple Street, Dublin in Ireland. I'm delighted to be able to take you through our recent paper entitled Response to Treatment and Outcomes of Infantile Spasms in Down Syndrome. This was a multi-centre paper which would not have been possible without collaboration from every neurology centre in Ireland and so I cannot go further without thanking them for their input and acknowledging the work of all in making this happen. Infantile spasms will be familiar to many and so will its occurrence in Down syndrome and Ireland has the highest incidence of Down syndrome in Europe at 20.7 per 10,000 live births, four times higher than the European average of 5.72 per 10,000 live births. Both children and adults with Down syndrome have an increased lifetime risk of epilepsy with an estimated prevalence of infantile spasms in particular of between 0.6 and 13%. We know that infantile spasms are associated with poor neurodevelopmental outcomes, an increased risk of epilepsy and autism spectrum disorders. Yet despite this high prevalence, there is as yet no internationally agreed treatment approach. First line treatment varies across the world due to physician preference, significant cost differences and resource availability. This has meant that studies to date have focused largely on vigabatrin and ACTH with limited data on prednisolone monotherapy. In addition, reported outcomes are from relatively small cohorts and are variable, which has made it difficult to ascertain valuable conclusions to inform clinical practice. So to learn a little more, we undertook a 10-year retrospective cohort study involving all seven paediatric neurology centres in the island of Ireland. All children with Down syndrome and a diagnosis of infantile spasms were eligible for inclusion, and each centre undertook a chart review of clinical records, EEG and imaging findings. In total, 54 infants were included in the study, giving us a period prevalence of infantile spasms and Down syndrome of 3%. Here you can see the demographics of our cohort with a slightly higher proportion of males at 61%. And also, as expected, there was a high incidence of comorbidities at 97%. With regards to the infantile spasms themselves, the medium age of spasm onset was at 201 days, with presentation a median of 28 days later. However, we did find marked variability in the time to presentation. At presentation, 56% were reported of developmental regression, of which combination motor and social regression was most frequently seen, and an initial EEG in 69% showed classical hypsarrhythmia. First-line medication choice varied by both centre and time period, with sodium valproate prescribed more frequently earlier in the study period. Due to an absence of any national guidelines, there was variability in the starting dose and starting medication across each centre. Prednisolone was the most commonly prescribed first-line medication, resulting in 60% spasm cessation following its sole use as a first-line and had a low incidence of side effects at 15%. Although there was high success rates in the combination prednisolone-vigabatrin group and the ACTH group, the numbers in each of these cohorts was quite small. And overall, following first-line medication, we had spasm cessation at 44% of infants, generally within one week with the exception of vigabatrin, which took a little longer. Subsequent medication choice was again seen to be quite variable, with a high proportion of vigabatrin, valparate and prednisolone used as second-line options. However, success rates for these were not very high, in line with the previous evidence from the DS cohort in ICIS, in which the addition of vigabatrin to prednisolone did not result in a substantial improvement. This supplementary table highlights the number of medications used as subsequent options in our cohort, with sodium valparate, vigabatrin and zinazamide the most effective in our group. It is important to note, however, that the numbers for the ketogenic diet in particular were quite small, and it's likely that this, among other options listed here, could be effective treatment options which require further evaluation. Overall, there was spasm cessation in 88% of infants. Those who had commenced vigabatrin as their first-line medication had overall resolution at 72%, with rates greater than 95% seen in all other groups.
So our follow-up period was longer than previously reported, thus capturing the longer-term risks. The median length of follow-up time was just under two years, with a median age at follow-up of two and a half years. There were 52 infants in our follow-up cohort following the death of two children from causes unrelated to epilepsy. In that 52, spasm resolution was reported in 88%, as already mentioned. However, interestingly, despite an emphasis on the need to present and treat early, in our cohort, treatment within 60 days of onset did not correlate with either achieving spasm cessation or a shorter time to spasm cessation. Overall, at follow-up, 25% of children were found to have ongoing seizures, including spasms, and ongoing seizures were more likely in those who had started treatment within 60 days of onset. Developmental concerns, which were subjective clinical reports and not objectively assessed, were reported in 85%. We also reviewed the tolerability of medications, and in our cohort, 25 different medication side effects were reported in 17 children. Vigabatrum was by far the most common medication, resulting in side effects at 52%, with restricted diffusion and MRI secondary to the same reported in six infants, with two reports each from movement disorders, sedation and irritability. Reported side effects were prednisolone, included irritability and weight gain. However, at 28%, these were somewhat lower than expected, and it is possible some side effects were underreported due to an expectation that these would occur. Two infants in our group required ICU admission, one with an RSV-positive bronchiolitis, and one with a hyperkinetic movement disorder secondary to vigabatrin. So in conclusion, we report the largest cohort of infants with Down syndrome and infantile spasms to date. The period prevalence for infantile spasms and Down syndrome was 3%. We can see that prednisolone is an effective and well-tolerated medication in this cohort with 60% spasm cessation overall when used as a first-line medication. Vagobatrin, although effective in some, was responsible for a large proportion of side effects in this population. And despite an high overall spasm cessation at 88%, ongoing seizures were common at 25%, as were developmental concerns at 85%. Overall, we conclude that prednisolone monotherapy should remain first-line treatment of infantile spasms in Down syndrome. Thank you for taking the time to watch today.